Welcome to the Albany Update with Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. Now, with this week's Albany Update, here's Jason McGuire. Thank you for joining this week's edition of the Albany Update. Starting at the federal level, last week the U.S. House of Representatives reauthorized the Violence Against Women Act and passed a resolution to remove the ratification deadline for the proposed Equal Rights Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. While both of these bills sound good, they leave social conservatives with significant concerns. Second, much to our organization's chagrin, recreational weed may see a floor vote as early as this week. Then, state budget conversation revolving around additional casinos and tax breaks for existing ones are underway. In addition, mobile sports betting appears to be moving toward full passage. Fourth, much has been made of the state health department's nursing home directive that led to an increased number of resident deaths. However, there is a similar directive regarding group homes for the developmentally disabled, and unlike the nursing home directive, it's still in effect. Finally, we believe in the power of prayer, and our organization has a number of specific prayer needs to share with you. Let's get started. On February 25th, the U.S. House of Representatives passed the disastrous and misleadingly named Equality Act. Last week, the House demonstrated that it isn't finished passing bad bills. On March 17th, the House reauthorized the Violence Against Women Act and passed a resolution to remove the ratification deadline for the proposed Equal Rights Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Like the Equality Act, the Violence Against Women Act and the Equal Rights Amendment have positive-sounding names that conceal what they actually do. First passed in 1994, VAWA, as it's called, was sponsored in the U.S. Senate by then-Senator Joe Biden. After being extended on multiple occasions, the law expired in February 2019. The Violence Against Women Act reauthorization bill is H.R. 1620, and it's objectionable because it would allow persons identifying as transgender to stay in opposite-sex prison facilities, and because it fails to prevent Planned Parenthood and other abortion providers from receiving Violence Against Women Act funds. It is sadly ironic that a bill originally designed to protect women against violence has now been reshaped to the point where it would actually expose some women to violence. The Violence Against Women Act passed the House by a vote of 244 to 172, with 29 House Republicans voting yay and no House Democrats voting nay. 22 House members from New York voted in favor of the bill, including Representatives Nicole Maliotakis from the 11th Congressional District, Tom Reed of the 23rd, John Katko of the 24th, and Chris Jacobs of the 27th, while Representatives Lee Zeldin of the 1st Congressional District Andrew Garbarino of the 2nd, Elise Stefanik of the 21st, and Claudia Tenney of the 22nd voted nay, and Representative Joe Morelli of the 25th did not vote. The Equal Rights Amendment, or the ERA, is a proposed constitutional amendment that would explicitly ban sex discrimination. The trouble with its language is that it could be used to protect a so-called right to abortion at any stage of pregnancy. The ERA passed the House of Representatives in 1971 and in the Senate by 1972. However, it failed to ever be ratified by the requisite three-quarters of the states within its required timetable. Therefore, it has lapsed and cannot become effective. 
House Joint Resolution 17 would repeal the expiration date or the deadline of that ratification, opening up to the possibility that the Equal Rights Amendment could still be implemented today. House Joint Resolution 17, the ERA resolution, passed by a vote of 218 to 204, with four House Republicans voting yay and no House Democrats voting nay. Twenty House members from New York voted in favor of the bill, including Representatives Nicole Maliotakis of the 11th Congressional District and Tom Reed of the 23rd, while Representatives Lee Zeldin of the 1st Congressional District, Andrew Garbarino of the 2nd, Elise Stefanik of the 21st, and Claudia Tenney of the 22nd, as well as John Katko in the 24th and Chris Jacobs in the 27th, voted nay. Thankfully, neither the Violence Against Women Act nor the Equal Rights Amendment is likely to pass the Senate this year, unless the far left has its way, and the Senate removes the requirement that bills receive the support of 60 or more senators before they reach the Senate floor for a vote. So long as that Senate filibuster rule remains in place, it seems unlikely that either of these pieces of legislation would become law. Next, New York lawmakers may include not one, but two types of gambling expansion in the upcoming 2021-2022 state budget. As we've previously noted, Governor Andrew Cuomo has become an avowed supporter of mobile sports gambling. This year, the governor and the legislature have included mobile sports gambling within their respective budget proposals. As of March 18th, however, the governor and the legislature have not yet reached agreement on the specifics. According to the Albany Times Union, the legislature proposes to offer state licenses to up to 14 casinos or other entities to conduct online sports betting. On the other hand, Governor Cuomo would prefer to keep the casinos out of the online sports betting process and have the state act as the bookie. This approach could allow the state to bring in more revenue. The Times Union added that this divide between Cuomo and the legislature has existed all year, and the stalemate persists. To contact your legislators and express opposition to this proposal, please visit our Legislative Action Center at albanyupdate.com. The second gambling expansion proposal that is on the table in Albany is a proposal to allow three Vegas-style casinos to open in New York City. Under the upstate New York Gaming Economic Development Act of 2013, no new casinos were to be licensed in New York City until at least 2023. However, according to city limits, it's been expected for months that the legislature would rewrite the rules to begin a process for citing New York City casinos this year. While the state assembly's budget bills do not mention licenses for additional New York City casinos, one of the state senate's budget bills calls for the Gaming Commission to select New York City casino licensees before the end of this year. As if these two proposals weren't enough, the casinos that are already open in New York are asking for tax breaks in this year's budget. Per city limits, the budget is likely to include a mechanism for existing casinos to apply for a reduction in state taxes. Let's think about this. When an already saturated gambling market has led casinos to come to Albany with their hands out looking for financial help, and when a global pandemic has shut down businesses across New York, does it make sense to open three new casinos in New York City? We think not. Apparently, however, the casino industry disagrees. They have spent $2.2 million 
on lobbying efforts in Albany over the past year. Then there's this. The state of New York has an unfortunate history of passing budgets that include controversial provisions that have little or nothing to do with dollars and cents. Sadly, just last year, a paid surrogacy law found its way into the budget. The 2019-2020 budget contained a raft of unrelated legislation, including bail reforms, a plastic bag ban, and an in vitro fertilization insurance mandate. Back in 2018, Governor Andrew Cuomo made a failed attempt to add late-term abortion expansion language to the budget. Using the budget process as a vehicle for controversial non-budgetary matters offers benefits for its supporters. If a controversial measure is buried in a 1,000-page budget bill alongside dozens of non-controversial provisions, it is easier to get legislators to vote for it than it would be if the controversial measure was presented for a floor vote on its own. Also, including a measure within a must-pass budget bill prevents the measure from becoming one of the thousands of bills that die in Albany each year without ever seeing a vote. Well, earlier this year, reports indicated that a recreational marijuana bill would be included in the 2021-2022 budget. As the April 1, 2021 budget deadline approaches, however, it appears that the legislature has moved in a different direction. According to the Albany Times-Union, a recreational marijuana bill is expected to pass the legislature as a standalone bill as soon as this week. Also, Spectrum News has reported that a recreational marijuana bill is imminent once some lawmakers' concerns about traffic safety implications have been addressed. Law enforcement groups, along with the New York State Parent Teacher Association, have spoken out against recreational marijuana. So has New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. Marijuana is a dangerous and addictive drug, and the pot industry should not be invited to peddle it here. For the past few years, politicians and the media told us over and over that recreational marijuana legalization was inevitable in New York. It hasn't happened yet, and it doesn't have to happen this year either. Please write to your state legislators today and tell them to keep recreational pot illegal. In our fourth item of the day, over the past few months, much attention has been paid to the Cuomo administration's disastrous March 2020 COVID-19 nursing home directive. That directive required that nursing homes admit COVID-19 patients who had been discharged from hospitals. A recent article in the New York Post reveals that a similar directive was made by the Cuomo administration on April 10, 2020, in regard to developmentally disabled group home residents with COVID-19. There is a key difference, however, between the two directives. As of this writing, the group home directive remains in effect. According to the Post, approximately 20% of New York's developmentally disabled group home residents have tested positive for COVID-19, and 553 have lost their lives to the virus. Senators Anthony Palumbo, a Republican of New Suffolk, Mike Martucci, a Republican from New Hampton, James Tedisco, a Republican from Glenville, and Fred Akshar, a Republican from Binghamton, have written to the state's Office for People with Developmental Disabilities to request information about the April 10th directive. After receiving a response from the agency, the four senators blasted that response and accused the agency of stonewalling them. The same four senators wrote to the Senate Investigations Committee Chairman, James Skoufis, a Democrat from Newburgh, and asked that the April 10th directive be investigated. 
Senator Scoopus indicated that the four senators were right to be concerned and added that both he and Senate Disabilities Committee Chair John Mannion, a Democrat, were alarmed by the directive. Senator Scoopus also noted that Senator Mannion would likely take the lead in any Senate inquiry into the group home situation. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms shares the senator's concern about the group home directive and calls for it to be rescinded for the protection of the developmentally disabled. Finally, New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms invites our brothers and sisters in Christ to lift the following requests in prayer during the month of April, that our state, our nation, and our world would continue to make progress in combating the COVID-19 pandemic, that COVID vaccines would become available to all who want or need them, that the Lord would heal all those afflicted with COVID-19, that it would become safe and possible to lift all remaining COVID-19 restrictions, that the Lord would protect the people of New York from the passage of evil laws during the second half of the legislative session, that the Lord would protect the people of the U.S. from the passage of evil laws this year, that truth would be revealed and justice done in regard to the accusations that Governor Andrew Cuomo committed acts of sexual harassment, bullied his staff and others, and intentionally neglected to oversee nursing home residents during the pandemic, that our legislative Bible study, which has been reconvened, would be a blessing to every legislator who participates. And finally, we ask that many members of the state legislature, as well as members of their staff, would place their faith in Jesus Christ. There really is only one Savior, and his name is Jesus. We pray that many in Albany will find their salvation in him. You have been listening to the Albany Update, hosted by the Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms exists to influence legislation and legislators for the Lord Jesus Christ. To learn more about this ministry, issues you've heard on the program, or to make a financial contribution in support of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms, visit albanyupdate.com or call 585-225-2340. Additionally, you can mail correspondence to P.O. Box 107, Spencerport, New York, 14559. You can receive the latest legislative updates at facebook.com slash albanyupdate. Follow New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms on Twitter at Albany Update or sign up to receive the weekly Albany Update email by texting the word FREEDOM to 22828.